This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Diana Wilson is an online course consultant, and she helps online course creators confidently launch their online courses without overwhelm and stress. Diana, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. You know, when you said the, when, when I read the word overwhelm, I got chills because that's the word I use because people come to me as Mr. Productivity and they never say, I want to be more productive. They say, Oh my goodness, I am so overwhelmed. So we're speaking the same language. I just love that. Yeah, that's actually very common. A lot of people will, with the course, you have so many moving components. They don't know where to start and the overwhelm sets in. Mm. I can relate. Now, let me let me tell you and the listener to put everything in context. My very first course. So I was studying under Brenda Burchard a number of years ago, and I decided I wanted to create a course. Now, Brendan's been doing this for many years, and he's got many thousands, if not millions of followers. And I literally copied what he did, not his course material. I did four 30-minute modules. I know now... That's too long for most people. I, I I was following the master. What did I know? But I want people to understand that there are no course police that are going to come and arrest you if you have only seven modules, if your course is only two hours long. It's about the value. Is that a fair assessment that there are no course police? There are no course police and there are no set rules. That's one of the things that I stress in my in my consulting and my group coaching program is everybody's course needs to be different. A lot of the experts out there will say, you need to follow my steps, da-da-da-da-da, and use this software. And I actually try to tailor things based on the strengths of the course creators I work with because everybody is different. Mm. And one of the biggest things that most course creators try to do that puts them in overwhelm is they say, okay, I'm going to make a course on blank, blank, blank. And they try to shove every bit of knowledge that they know on that topic into one course. Guilty. You, <laughs> you don't need to do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I am so guilty of that, Diana. And just for the disclosure, I am a huge fan of Kajabi. But I don't just host my course on Kajabi. I've got my membership, my coaching, my blog, my website, email marketing, my podcast. Everything's on Kajabi. I like it because everything's in one place. But that's not to say Kajabi is the right fit for you. So I'm really glad that you said that. It's not it, too many people are getting obsessed about is it Kajabi? Is it Udemy? Is it, you know, thousands of other options out there? That's why there's so many options. You got to figure out what works for you. From a business point, for me, Kajabi fits like a glove, but it may not fit for everyone. So let's talk about platforms generically for a few minutes. Okay. Well, Kajabi is a great platform, but I generally don't recommend it to people. The people that are reaching out to me usually have not created an online course before. They don't know how to market it. They haven't built a marketing funnel. They have no past experience. So jumping straight into something like Kajabi is, is a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. So I actually try to talk to the people and say, okay, what are your strengths? What do you do best? I have one guy that was in my uh, group coaching community. He actually had what I call... Uh, he he just got distracted easily. I don't remember the exact term for that, but he would get so distracted and he couldn't focus. And so what I suggested to him was to use a platform called Clastra. Clastra, you just go in, 
you put down your course and you teach it live. That way he didn't have to worry about making slides, coming up with content, you know, all this overwhelmed stuff. I'm like, go in and teach it live. You're comfortable talking live. You already do live videos. Why don't you teach your course live? It would be a good fit for you. So it depends on the person's strengths to which platform they should be using. I love you saying that because what happens is people look at the bright, shiny object. And when people go, oh, my gosh, Kajabi is so amazing. Kajabi is amazing. But I tell people when I first started, I came from the wonderful world of WordPress. And Kajabi is a totally different platform. So what happened was, as I was building it, I built it my own self. I self-taught myself. I actually didn't spend a lot of time building my business because I got into the weeds. Now, I will tell you, I will never leave Kajabi now, not because all my stuff's there. It's because I finally know how to use it. I know how to turn the screws a certain way and bang the pipes a certain way to get the thing to work. It's not a perfect platform. Perfection does not exist in in, in this world. But I will tell you that it serves me. And I, I want people to hear what you're saying, that you got to figure out what serves you. For me, it's really it's really comfortable for me to get my phone. I have an iPhone 13 Pro Max to go out there and record videos in 4K. I know how to edit them in iMovie, upload them to Kajabi. I know how to do all this stuff. It's no big deal for me. But to your point, when you're first starting out, you need to eliminate as many barriers or uh, uh, obstacles or whatever you want to call them out of your way and focus on creating something that's going to serve people. Too many people are worried about the bright, shiny objects of the tools instead of doing what is the main reason why you're doing this. That's to help people. Right. And another thing that they need to consider is the format. A lot of people think, oh, I need to make an online course. Therefore, I need to create a video course. That's not always the case. Mm -hmm. If you have a podcast and that's where the majority of your audience is, and they love listening to your podcast, they're not necessarily going to be happy about sitting in front of a computer watching a video. Why don't you create an audio course? An audio course is a great fit for somebody who's the majority of the audience is on a podcast. If they're reading your blog, if they're reading your book, it doesn't have to be a video course. You want to have like an intro video, but why not go with a text-based course, something they can read? Because that's the format that they already like. And with technology in 2022, you can actually record the video, make an audio part part of it, and make a text part of it. And you can either bundle it or you can say, if you want the video, it's this price, the audio, this price. Uh, If you want the text only, it's this price. So you have options within options. Correct. And I actually enjoy blended learning. If I'm doing a course on meditation, I'm going to want to have some audio for some of the meditation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to want to have some PDF checklist of things to go through, things to buy. I'm going to want to have some video where I'm just explaining things to people and getting that trust built by talking to them face to face. So having a blended course is a great idea. Let's talk about the benefits of a video course, the benefits of an audio course, and the benefits of a text course. Walk us through each of those, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the cons for each one. So let's start with the benefits first. Well, the benefits of a video course is it's really easy to build that relationship and that trust really easily because you're making eye-to-eye contact with that person. Mm -hmm. Also, depending on the type of course, if you're teaching somebody to use software, 
you want to have a video course because you're going to do screen sharing and take them through step by step. Yeah, that audio would not work for that. (laughs) No, audio would not work for a teaching you how to paint. That would that would be horrible. (laughs) But if you're teaching somebody step by step on like how to write a book, that could be done in a text space. And one of the benefits of a text space is it's great for starters. It's really easy, especially if you already have a blog and you're used to writing. You could repurpose those blog posts into a course. You could do it as an email course that would drip out over so much time. That would be great for something like just a mindset change. You send them, we're going to send you a new email every day with a new lesson. That's a great way to use text. Okay. So did you give us a benefit for the audio? Yeah. The benefit for the audio is just being able to teach people that are on the go and have busy lives. Gotcha. If, if I'm on the go and I'm, I'm going to another city or something, I can put my course in and just listen to it as I'm driving. I can listen to it while I'm running. So I'm learning on the go, which is very great. That's why we love podcasts. Yes, absolutely. And you know, every guest that's been on this show has got me thinking. I'm like, you know, I have a video course, but it's just me being the talking head. I am going to make that into an audio course. And an, a text course, because I'm just a talking head. I'm not showing anyone. I mean, I'm sure people want to look at my handsome face. I'm, I'm sure that's the draw of the video. But for those on the go or those who like to like consume content really quickly. So all I have to do, I already have the content. All I have to do is strip off the audio, make an audio portion of it, strip off and then send that to a transcription service and make it a transcript. So it's not hard. But you got me thinking. So see, see, listener, this is I'm I have these guests on for myself, but I share their knowledge with you as well. Just to be completely transparent with you on that. Okay, let's hop over to cons here, Diana. Let's give us some cons for video, audio, and text. Obviously, we already talked about why teaching someone how to paint audio is not good. But what about the video and the text? Well, with the video, the the con on that is you are asking people to sit in front of a computer screen. Mm. Even if they're learning on the go, if if the app that you're teaching from, the learning management system like Teachable or Podia or Kajabi, if it works really good on their phone, they can learn on the go, but not necessarily. So you're asking somebody to sit down in front of a computer and stare at it. Mm-hmm. And that's a big ask if you're teaching people who are in business and have busy family lives. So that's one of the downsides of uh, video. The downside now- of text, again... You're, you're taking people's time. They have to read it. And different people learn different ways. I have right. trouble learning via text. I know the listeners getting a lot of your information and their minds are being blown because mine is right now because we never, we never think about blended courses. Why not offer a video part of audio part and a text part? Because to your point, people learn different ways and they learn different topics, different ways. So if I want to learn about topic A, it may be video suits me best, but maybe topic B is audio. And so you've got to really understand what is the the audience and how they prefer to learn and go from there. I think so many people are going about course creating the ba- the backwards way, which is the next topic I want to talk to you about. So many people saying, you know, I have a course I want to create and sell when they got it backwards. It should be, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
what do people need? Is that, is that not correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's what does your student need and how can you best serve them? I mean, that that's the way it is in all business. If your student, you know, doesn't have time to sit down and watch a long video, make it short, make a shorter course. If your student, you know, and even if you make a long one, make it little bite-sized chunks. You need to think about that. And we also need to think about the topic because just because I am really good at productivity doesn't necessarily my topic A is what they want. Maybe they want topic Q, but because I didn't take the time to find out what they want, what they need, what can benefit, what can serve them. I'm just saying, well, this looks really cool to me. The graphics look really cool. I'm recording it in 4K and stereo sound. And they're like, yeah, but that's not what I want. So I think before we even start creating a course, I think we need to do some market research, correct? Oh, yeah, definitely. You need to validate your course. And I always suggest that all my students pre-sell. You need to go and you you think you got this great idea. I know I've talked to people and your fan club online is going, yeah, 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 because they love you. But take it, put it up for a pre-sale and see if they buy it, because that's most important. That's what's going to tell you if your course is actually going to sell. There are so many people I've seen spend, you know, three to six months building this massive course and they put it out there and crickets. Mm. And I've seen other people. I said, pre-sale, go ahead, pre-sale. And they go out there, they put their best marketing out, they go to pre-sale and crickets. So they didn't waste the time building the course. They adjusted it. They reached out to those people and said, you said you were interested. Why didn't you buy? And they got the feedback and they made the changes and they were able to go on and make a course that would sell. I've heard from numerous people online that until someone's willing to pull out their credit card, you don't have a validated idea. So it goes back to what I said before, just because you think it's a great idea, you're not going to buy your course. When someone's willing to pull out their credit card and say, here it is, charge my card, Dano, that means you have a legitimate offer, but not, not just one person. We got to, we got to underscore this. If one person's going to buy your course, you put it for pre-sale for two weeks and one person gives you the credit card, you still have to go back to the drawing board, correct? Correct. And most people, I tell them to set a goal, put your course out there and say, okay, I need at least five people to purchase for this to be worth my time because time is money in those cases. It is not worth my time if only one person is going to buy. How would you like to get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free? Well, you can. All you have to do is go to top5productivitytips.com. That's the number five, top5productivitytips.com to get my, well, top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Yeah, because they're going to buy it. You'll make one sale and you put all the hours into creating the course, which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. By the way, listener, if you've never listened to the show before, I want you to know I have no scripted questions here. I'm just based on what Diane is saying is is prompting these questions. Just let you know, I'm actually actively listening and in the moment. So let's talk about pricing. The the great debate, Diana, what should I price my course? I heard it should be end in seven. It should end in nine. It should be a end in zero. It should be a hundred dollars, $97, $297, I mean, I know I grappled with this as I was growing, you know, as I was growing my business. So do you have any suggestions on how we should price our courses? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> yeah, it depends. But I do think that you need to have some kind of pricing strategy. And a lot of it depends on it depends on the market. It depends on the value that people are going to get. 
I actually do have a couple of videos on my YouTube channel where I discuss this. I think Thinkific, yeah, it was Thinkific did a study a while back and found that most courses sell really good at around 250 The big thing I have to say about pricing is if you see a course on how to become a home investor for $49 and you see another course on how to become a home investor for $500, which one are you going to buy? It's it's going to be the $500 one because you're going, what's wrong with the $49 yeah. one? Nobody wants a bargain basement price. <laughs> you know, don't do that to yourself. You're not trying to be Walmart. You're trying to give value and your price has to show that. You know, I cringe when I think about what I used to charge, you know, when I first started my business, you know, way back many years ago, I was charging next to nothing and I wasn't making any sales. I was so scared to raise my prices because I thought that was going to pull people or push people away. And then someone told me, hey, people will judge you based on the price. Then I started getting into the wonderful world of content creation and you know, for one of the people I'm studying under Grant Cardone, you're talking like $25,000 for a 45 minute coaching session for them. One 45 minute coaching session. It may be more than that. Maybe a hundred thousand dollars. I haven't checked the latest figure. I heard Tony Robbins charges a million dollars for a, a one hour session. Now he doesn't charge that because he's greedy. He charges that because he doesn't want to do one-on-one coaching sessions, but right. there is no wrong or right answer. Like we said, there's no course place. There's no pricing place. You can charge it whatever you want, but here's the thing. People will evaluate you based on your price. So I, I just bought an iPhone 13 pro max about two weeks ago. If I said, Hey, I got a, Hey Diane, I got an iPhone 13 pro max brand new. And it's only 50 bucks. You'd go, wait a minute. There's no way that costs 50 bucks. So if you're trying to sell based on your value, are you sold yourself? Is it, do you think it's worth $47 or $197 or 497? If you are confident in that, then it's okay to sell it. But if you feel squeamish, maybe the course isn't as good as, as you think it is. Maybe you need to go back to the drawing board. Something else I, I, I like you to talk about is beta groups. Maybe give a certain number of people uh, access to your group for, or your course for free in exchange for real feedback. Do you uh, tell your clients to do that as well? Oh, yeah. Beta testing is definitely a great thing to do. And there are many different ways to do it. When I released a course a while back, I allowed three people to come in as beta testers, had them come in a week before I was going to start marketing it. And I made sure that part of the condition of being a beta tester was they had to go through the online course completely. They had to give me feedback and they needed to give me a testimonial. And so those are the reasons that you want to get beta testers in there. Also, you have no idea if the technology is going to work. They need to Mm -hmm. test the technology and make sure it's working properly because, you know, right off the bat, somebody said, for some reason, I can't get this video to work. So you need to be able to go in there and fix all those little, little areas that, you know, technology messes up and you can't tell from your end. Mm. One of the things I do as a Kajabi customer, I once the course is all done, I will go and create a coupon code for 100% off, and I will log in as a new client before I roll it out to my beta testers. And I'll make sure, okay, I go to the sales screen. Okay, that works. Okay, I enter the code so I don't get charged for it. And then that's one way. Do you do you also uh, encourage people to do that? Because that's a really cool way to actually go through the process yourself, then roll out the beta. Have you ever done that? 
Yeah, you can do it that way. It, it depends on the learning management system you're using. Another great way to beta test is to actually do the course as a webinar or as a live and let people come in and let them give you feedback uh-huh. and then go and take that video and edit it down or re-record it if you need to and turn that into a piece of your course. So that's mm-hmm. another way to beta test. One of the masters that does this is Grant Cardone. What he'll do is he'll do a live training and his trainings go three to four hours. Okay. Now he's always pitching another course, but when he's done, he takes his team, I should say, takes that live free training, edits it up and puts it for sale. So this is repurposing. So you get it free. You can only watch it if you attend free and you attend live but if you want to buy it you know a week later you have to pay like 997 or 497 so i think that's another way i think people have to get out of this mentality it's just a course no you could take a live free live training and make that a product and say hey because when i do my live training diana i do not do replays what i do is say it's free if you want a replay, if you can't make a live, you can do it, but now it's going to cost you money because I'll, I'll sell it in my store. That way, because I really want people to show up live, but right. most people, you know, they sign up and they never show up and then they go, where's the replay? I'm like, there is no replay. So everyone, my emails that go out say, there is no replay. This will be part of a, uh, a you know, paid product later. So you can attend free live or you can pay for it later. The choice is yours. Right. And that's one of the things I did a video recently on that. I said, you go ahead and you go live and there's no replay. But right before you go live, you can send out an email and say, hey, if you would like a replay of this, it's only going to cost you $99. Ah, And then once you repurpose it into a course, then you hit that $250,500. So (laughs) it's, it's varying degrees. And by the way, you were talking earlier about turning your course into an audio. That's called an upsell. That's an upsell. Oh, yes. You're very, you're correct. Thank you for correcting me on my own show. I really appreciate that. But you're <laughs> right. You're, you're right. Because people, once they pull out their credit card, I don't care if it's for a membership or a course, doesn't matter. They have that credit card out and then you hit them with an upsell. They're like, well, the upsell is 50% off. I already have my credit card up. Actually, you've already entered your credit card. So all you have to do is click buy and it just adds it. So that's a prime opportunity that people miss because if you let that opportunity go, the odds of you selling that product to them down the road is kind of small. And so I've used upsells as well because they're they're in buying mode at that moment. Why wouldn't you want to give them those sale? Right. And that's that's the same way. Even when you're doing that free live, you can say, Hey, I appreciate it. I'm glad you're coming to this free live. If you do want the replay, I decided to offer it for $99. You can just go ahead and buy that here. Yes. That, you know, that's why I love studying people like Grant Cardone and the other masters of our world today, because the way to succeed in business, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, Diana, is just pay attention. Follow people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, Brendan Burchard. What are they doing on social media? How do they do their training? How do they promote their courses? And don't copy them, but learn. I'm always learning how I can get better at what I'm doing. I believe I should what I do today is going to make me better tomorrow than I am today. And I should be better today than I was yesterday because I constantly learn the information's out there. You don't necessarily have to go pay someone hundreds of thousands of dollars to be coached by them. But if you just watch what they're doing, 
when they create their courses or live training. You can learn so much absolutely for free. Oh, exactly. I actually attend a lot of free lives. I also am a I'm a connoisseur of online courses. It's one of the reasons I got in this business is because I was taking courses and taking courses and I loved them. I, I loved everything about them. And I'm like, you know, she could have done this better or that better. And so I try to apply what I learned from taking other people's courses to what I teach. One of the guys that is really big on webinars is Russell Brunson. He's got the, the perfect webinar script. And I read his book about the perfect webinar script. It's one of his dot-com secrets or something like that. And I never thought about it until he said it. And he says, you don't want to tell the how during the live training. You tell them all the what's, but the how is what you're selling. Right. And when I read that, I'm like, well, that's why I'm not selling my courses because I would give them the what and the how and the training. And I'd say, oh, here's my course. And I'm like, you just told us everything. <laughs> I didn't yeah. I didn't know it at the time. But when you do a live training, you always tell them the what and then the how is in the course, correct? Correct. You you when you do the live training, you tell them, you know, basic you basically give them a high level overview and then in the online course, you're going to do a deeper dig. We covered so much on the show today, but I I want to make sure did did we not talk about something that's on your heart that you want to share with the listener? Well, there's a bazillion things. One of the things that I get asked the most is people will ask me, they go, you you teach online courses, but you don't have an online course. Why is that? And actually, when I sat back and I looked because of the fact that I'm teaching so many different ways to create online courses on so many different platforms, having an online course would make it so I had to commit to a particular platform. And I can't do that in good conscience. I can't make somebody go to a particular platform. So my alternative to that was to create a membership group, a coaching group where I can cover all the different platforms and I can help all the different people with their different styles and their different formats. And that's something that worked better for me. Now, I don't recommend a membership for everybody, but that is also something that in particular cases is a good fit. I, you know, you mentioned the membership. I took a clarity workshop uh, from Advance Your Reach last week, and they were saying when you're getting started, always start with one on one coaching or a course. Do not start with a membership. And I, because they said membership is so difficult to create and to get to grow because you need members to grow the membership. But people won't join the membership without members. It becomes this vicious cycle. And I've got, you know, my, I have a membership program too, but it hasn't really taken off because it's hard to get people in there. It's a low price point, but people don't know you where right. the, the courses and the coaching one-on-ones a little bit different. So I will, I will agree with what you're saying. Membership. Don't start with a membership. It sounds, yeah, it's monthly income every month. Yeah. They get charged every month, but who are you going to charge? See, that's the thing. Uh, yeah. You're better off starting with a one-on-one coach or a course and say, Hey, you know what? You finished the coaching, you finished the course. Why don't you join my membership? Then it's a natural graduation instead of having someone come in cold. Uh, because what I do in my membership every month is some, a different training. So we don't, everyone doesn't start at this first square every time because some people have been up for a year and a half. But when you go in the membership, or I'm sorry, you go in the course, you start from the first module. You start with a one-on-one coaching. You start with the force call. You don't get that with membership. So I want to second your 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 
recommendation there. Always start with a course or one-on-one coaching. Do not jump to membership. It's a lot more difficult than you think it is. Oh, yeah. I definitely started with one-on-one calls. And then I started teaching via YouTube. And that's how I built it up to where I could go into a membership instead of creating just an online course. That's, that's the one thing that it, that is a pet peeve of mine. People come in and they're like, okay, I created this great course. I'm like, so what's your marketing strategy? They're like, what's the marketing strategy? <laughs> if, if you do not have a marketing strategy for your product, you do not have a product, period. And I want to let people understand something that like my website is markstruchowski.com. Now I went out and got mrproductivity.com, which takes you to markstruchowski.com. But you need to have a landing page. Now, the landing page is on your website. But like, if you want to get my top five productivity tips, you go to top5productivitytips.com, which takes you to the page on my website. You need to have, and if you're not familiar with landing pages, I know you know what it is, Diana, but you can only do one thing on the landing page. Like buy something, sign up for something. There's no navigation. There's no social media links. It's just one thing to do on the website. So I recently came out with a a, a 90 day coaching program. I figured out the title and I got, I took the title and I got the domain, which goes to sales page on my, on my website. So when you launch your course, it's called the how to be an awesome human being course, then go get how to be an awesome being how to be an awesome human being.com, which takes you to that landing page. You want to make it so simple for when you're on podcasts, when you're speaking from the stage, when you see someone in the, in the airport, you don't want to tell them, Oh, go to my website then click on the navigation go to this and submit. They weren't going to do that. But if you give them one URL or if you text them one URL, they will click on it and go to that page. Am I right. wrong? No, that's correct. That's correct. And you also need to make sure that you're getting that out in front of the right people. If your audience is on Facebook, then you need to be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. If your audience is on your podcast, you need to be saying it out on your podcast. You need to have it everywhere. When you're marketing yourself, you need to have a strategy built up and go to where your audience is. I've had so many people create an online course and they're like, you know, I think I need to create a, a Facebook community to go with it. It's like, yeah, you just cut out a bunch of your audience because your audience is over here on LinkedIn. So why are you Mm -hmm. creating a group on Facebook? You know, you really need to consider that where your audience is, where you're marketing it and where all the components are. Don't make it difficult. You know, you just touched on a raw nerve I have as I was coaching one of my friends and well, not really coaching, but giving her some ideas. And I say, you know, where is your audience? She goes, Instagram and TikTok. She goes, but I don't like TikTok. I said, well, it's not about you. You need to go where your audience is, whether you like that platform or not. I'm on Twitter. I don't like Twitter, but my audience is on Twitter. My audience is on LinkedIn. So I want people to hear what you said loud and clear. It's not about you. It's about where your audience is, because if your audience is on, let's say, Snapchat, but you hate Snapchat, uh, you're making a huge mistake because your audience is on Snapchat. Right. I want them to hear your voice on this. You may not like the platform, but you got to be where your audience is. Correct. Yeah. And if, if you do not like that platform, then you need to pick a different audience. You need to find an audience on the platform that you like. I mean, you can build your own your own audience the way you like to, but I mean, it, mean, it does mean some adjustments. Yeah. Or I just say, suck it up, buttercup. 
just yeah. suck it up. I mean, you don't like, like, I don't like TikTok. So all I do is I just post on TikTok. I've never gotten a client from TikTok, but TikTok is scorching hot. So I just put videos on there once a day, but I'm there. I don't like TikTok because I know as a productivity guy, it is so addicting, but I post videos on there. People engage with my videos. They like my videos. I don't get clients from there, but I'm, I have a presence there. So it doesn't matter whether you like the platform or not, figure out how to use it and get really good at it because it's just a platform. It's instead of calling it Twitter, it's called TikTok. Learn how to use it. It's not going to bite you, but you'll probably get a lot more clients if you are where they are already. So I just want to hammer that point through to the audience because a lot of people tell me, I don't like Facebook, but your audience is on Facebook. So it's kind of dumb not to be on there. Uh, Diana, this has been so helpful. I, I know you taught me something. I'm literally going to go back to my courses and upsell the audio and the text version of it because I mean, why not? I mean, why not offer my, my, my clients more, uh, more options. So I want to thank you for being on the show. Where can sure. we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Onlinecourseresource.com. Everything's wow. on there. I love that. Onlineresource.com. Onlinecourseresource.com. Oh, thank you for correcting. Well, the, the link will be in the show notes, but listener, I know you're not going to check the show notes anyways, but say it to us one more time because I did do you injustice and I said it wrong. That's okay. It's onlinecourseresource.com. Excellent. Well, Diana, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you being here. Sure. No problem. Thanks, Mark. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.